Hi, my name is James Andrella, and you are listening to the Back to Human podcast. I'm really excited to have today's guest on because I believe that he is truly embodying what it means to be human and what it means to be human, especially in these days. And on the show with me today, I have Jake Thomas. Jake is a transformational health coach and a former Marine. And today we are going to be jumping into nutrition, discipline, and perhaps a little bit of cocaine. Yeah. So <laughs> without further ado, we won't be doing it on the show. Uh, without further ado, I would like to welcome Jake. Welcome to the show, brother. Thanks so much for having me, James. You got my ears to perk up with the uh, the cocaine attitude yeah. there. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm strapping in for this one for sure. Where, where, where? Yeah, man. Yeah. So, I mean, I just got that from uh, following you for a while now. I've seen on your stories, you've been pretty open. You've been pretty vulnerable with sharing what your previous state was like. And I, I love to hear stories. So what is your story? How did you get to where you are currently at as a coach? And uh, what what is life like, Jake? What does that mean? Oh, great, great questions and, and fun to tell the stories about each of those. Um, <laughs> my, my coaching really became a, a need for me. You know, it was more than anything. It was like I needed to do something radically different to improve my life, to improve my, my health, to improve my, my mental health, my quality of life, and just overall like wholesomeness that I just didn't seem to have and what I was doing, where I was going, who I was hanging out with, the job, the careers, you know, nothing seemed to be fulfilling to me. And I didn't understand it at the time and uh, was using anything as I could to escape from reality uh, or sobriety rather. So substance, drink, women, you know, company, places, food, nothing was doing it for me. I was like, man, I don't get this. Like what is going on? And I'd never felt so devoid of that feeling since I got out of the military. You know, when I was there and then that identity that I took on as a Marine was so visceral for me that I didn't realize how much I was lost once I got out. You know, I didn't think it would affect me so much. You know, I was like, okay, I'll just turn off the lights and take the cape off and become a normal civilian again well when the mission was quote gone and i didn't have orders anymore and i just didn't have that same kind of pride of uh who i was you know every single day whether there were good days or bad days when you're putting the camis on you know what you're doing you know like you know what your purpose is you you've got orders you've got a timeline you've got this pride on your chest that says u.s marines the other one says your name so you've got all this you know, history that you're kind of being a part of to write. And then when I got out back into the world, I was like, man, I just, again, I didn't know this at the time, but I was just lost. I felt lost. I didn't have direction. I, I was just back off, you know, off the chain and, and didn't know what I wanted to do. So I was confused, scared, angry, depressed. And so that was my way of kind of handling all that, which is normal for a lot of people transitioning out, uh, which I learned you know, over time. But at the time I was just like, uh, I'm just consuming and doing things to, to numb myself. Well, throughout all that, I was also testing, theorizing, hypothesizing. I didn't know it, but you know, failure is only failure if there's nothing to be learned from it. And I was failing tons in the best way, right? I was experimenting a lot in the best way. And I was 
pushing myself in, in limits that are not necessarily healthy, but certainly things can be drawn from. And, and you know, maybe I could start writing a, a code or like seeing a pattern of like, okay, if I do this, this is how this feels. And basically I was creating my way out. I was creating my way out through finding a lot of wrong ways to do things, right? Like I love the story of Thomas Edison and, and the light bulb. 10,000 ways how not to do it, right? Like he tried 10,000 times and failed. And then when he finally did, he was like, eh, how about that? You yeah. know? And would it be the same worth to him if he hadn't, you know, hey, you want to see number 3755? Here, here you go. You want to see number 9211? You want to see number 41? Here you go. It's like, I have all those too, right? It's not necessarily about finding a light bulb, but maybe it's about finding like happiness and inner peace and, and for me a sense of purpose for the two of those working out together was awesome because for me coaching is just about giving really away myself but what it was was what i found to get myself whole again and now i'm just sharing with other people hmm. it's uh it's about the journey it's what it, it it's never about like reaching the peak like i've been on the trails too and i've reached the peaks of whatever mountains that i was climbing and it's like now what so it's it's literally about enjoying the process, no matter how many sticks or roots that you're stumbling over, whatever that may look like. And uh, I, I like that you bring up how you kind of had the structure when you were in the military. And then when you came out of it, uh, I guess this is what people, uh, they have a hard time re reintroducing themselves to the world because they've had all this structure and now it's kind of ripped away from them. And I've kind of seen this with athletes that I've worked with in the past too. Uh, where they've kind of put all their eggs in one basket, say they're a collegiate football player and then their dreams are to play in the NFL. But if we're being realistic, it, it's kind of not going to happen. So they threw all their eggs in one basket. And then when it doesn't pan out, it's like they have nothing to fall back on. So it, it seemed like the the military structure kind of really helped you out. And then as soon as you didn't have that anymore, then you went into these other routes, which weren't really serving you too much. So you had to kind of refine yourself and develop a new discipline, a new structure to live like Jake now. So what, what was it from the military? Because from what I've seen on your stories, and it's something that I really admire in you is you have like an unrivaled discipline. Would that be something that you say you gained from being in the military? And what else did you take from there? Did you kind of reflect back and be like, okay, what worked, what didn't work? And then now you're piecing it together? Very much so. And uh, the way you kind of phrased all that is, is very, very true. Um, it's all there and, and everything's together and in order. And then once you come out, you're just like, I have all this jargon in my mind and I have all this energy that feels that it needs to be purposed somewhere, but I, I don't have a, a mission. I don't have a target, you know, like, so what do I do with this energy? So for me, I was just letting it out in all these other places and I was still being a Marine or, you know, extreme. I was very dedicated. I was very disciplined, just not necessarily in the best ways, right. Or in the, in the best outlets, like, Hey, I can be, a, I can be the best drinker in the world. I got plenty of championship banners and mm -hmm. world series rings to prove it. You know, like I can be the best drug addict in the world. I can be the best you know, athlete. I can be the best womanizer. I can be the best spender. I can be the best, most reckless, da, 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 da. So whether it was extreme things or just being so good about being vigilant, 
disciplined, persistent, dedicated, all these attributes that are character traits of a Marine, right? Like you said, disciplined, vigilant, persistent, honorable, courageous, committed. Well, I was just doing those in these other places that maybe, you know, it's like, hey, don't be, be addicted to good things. Don't be addicted to cocaine. You know, be addicted to love. Be addicted to your health. Be addicted to your family. Be addicted to, to your friends. Be addicted to selflessness. So as I was doing all these kind of, I don't want to call them wrong things, but things that weren't serving me, like you said, well, once I started to put the same commitment, vigilance, persistence, dedication, intensity towards these things that did serve me well, I was like, oh man, this is, now we're getting somewhere because it was this, this whole of paying it forward to others, but at the same time, it's very self-rewarding and self-fulfilling, right? So like, I definitely take the discipline from the Marine Corps, the dedication, the honor, the courage, the commitment, all the, the character traits of leadership or our principles of leadership. We have 16 of them in the Marine Corps. And each of those is definitely part of who I am. It definitely crafted my identity then. It's something that I was looking for that I didn't have growing up as a child. Um, and now it's about molding myself into this man that I've always kind of needed in my life but didn't necessarily have, and then to just give him away to the world. And that's what I'm doing with, yeah, taking page from, from that book, a page from this book, a page from this contemporary philosophy, a page from this uncontemporary philosophy. So a little bit of religion sprinkled in there, like anywhere that I find value intellectually, spiritually, emotionally, or otherwise that I say like, man, this is, this is good stuff, not just for me, but something that I can give to other people. So I've got a, a gumbo kind of to put a play on words to my New Orleanian uh, roots, a gumbo of, of ideologies that I've put into my own and called it life like Jake. And it's really life like you. So life like Jake just works for me because it, when some people first ask me, what's the, what's the point? I'm like, well, it rhymes, <laughs> you know, like it's easy off the tongue. It rhymes. There are three common words. So if you, you know, put any of those together, as far as in public domain, it's great SEO. Um, but it's really life like you. So it's life like James, it's life like Jack, it's life like James, life like whoever. But for me, this is my version of that. And then just kind of sharing it to other people. I like that you you bring up again the that you were disciplined, but not necessarily in like the, the right way. So people have, I think Tony Robbins mentioned that there's like six human needs. I forget them off the top of my head. Um, something along the lines of feeling like um, they are being fulfilled or they're they're contributing. So if you are going to get these needs met, but it can be a distorted way of doing so. And what um what I really want to get into is, so you are currently where you're at now. Was there a like pivotal point where you kind of met like a fucking wall, like you crashed and then that was the deciding factors like, okay, I need to take these distorting behaviors and now I need to make it something that's actually beneficial to my life. Was there a, a key point? Yeah, there's a few of them. Sad, sadly, one wasn't enough, you know, uh, and as, as shocking as I'll say them, the grip is, is, can be incredibly strong in spite of what you want to do or what you think you want to do. This was like uh, uh, eight years ago, maybe my brother, or God, 10 years ago, my brother was in law school at the time and uh, it was eight years ago and he was um, 
always coming home and, and telling me like, man, I learned this cool thing and listen to this. And I was, I was fascinated by his studies and just the law and his interest in it. And I was so proud of him to be there. And he and I both had our own ups and downs with, with things and growing up as kids and, and overcoming adversity, whether it's, you know, personally, familially or whatever. So for him to have been there, I was like, dude, this is so cool. So anytime he would come home and be like, man, did you know X, Y, Z? I would be like glued, you know, to, to his story. So this one day he's like, did you know, and it always starts that way, that a uh, possession of a firearm along with a CDS or controlled dangerous substance in Louisiana carries a mandatory 10 year sentence. And I was like, mm, can you tell me more about that? He's like, well, yeah, if you have a firearm, with a CDS, Controlled Dangerous Substance, which cocaine falls into. It's a mandatory 10-year sentence. So that's what you start at. Now, if you're also under the influence, if you've also discharged that firearm illegally, if you also maybe struck someone while you're driving that vehicle, you're adding on to that, right, real quickly. But minimum, those two things together, baggy plus the firearm, 10 years. And at that point, I've been driving around everywhere in New Orleans with the bag because I almost always had stuff on me and I always was carrying. So to think about all the drives that I'd made, all the nights, all the drunken disorderly, all the under the influence, driving from Baton Rouge, driving to Houston, like the middle of the night, whatever I was doing. Hundreds, you know, this is years, maybe thousands, I don't know, of times of, of opportunities to where that could have been me. Minimum 10 years. I was like, fuck. That was alarm bell number one, mm -hmm. but it wasn't enough to stop me crazily, you know? So I moved to New York shortly thereafter that I get rid of the vehicle. Perfect. Problem solved. You know, I'm in New York city. I'm not driving anymore. No firearms, certainly. So I'm like, Oh, well, I dodged that, bu those bullets, you know, so to speak. And now I don't drive, I don't have guns. So like it's back to free for all. Oh my God. And drugs get delivered anywhere I want in the city, I'm in heaven. So I ran around New York for a few years, really, really running myself into the ground. And then just one day I woke up in the uh, elevator uh, threshold of my condo that I was living at at the time. And I was on the floor and I'm throwing up all over myself. And the door was like closing on me, you know, back and forth and the, the alarms were going off. And it was a very small boutique building. So like people definitely saw me residents, you know, I don't know how long I'd been there, but woke up to a, very long list of not good text messages from my girlfriend at the time. And I can't believe you did this last night. Da, 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 da. Nothing bad, so to speak, to her, but just, you know, bad behavior and then not being a good, a good gentleman uh, in front of some other people at a party. And those were two of the big ones. But then, you know, I started to just see less friends around me. You know, mm -hmm. the people I was hanging out with were, were addicts. They were junkies. And I was like, this isn't cool. Like occasionally it would be like, you know, me occasionally hanging out with these people or like, you know, it's the random one-off once a month, once every few months kind of thing, but it was just becoming so regular, so regular, you know, it's where I was like, this isn't, I don't know. I, I was able to have a moment of clarity somehow and say, this isn't fun anymore, mm -hmm. you know, and how much I was spending each week. Like I couldn't go out without a bag or bags, you know, the feeling of, of, necessity to be able to have fun was so weird like you know to be sitting at a restaurant and looking at my watch like okay when's my bag gonna get here like hurry up hurry the fuck up you know whereas my friends are all there they're they're hanging out and i can't take my 
eyes off my watch because I'm waiting to look out the window and see the SUV pull up and I can run and get my thing and do my quick fix in the bathroom. Be like, okay, now I can have fun. So I was just, I was able to see that there was way more Dr. Jekyll or rather Mr. Hyde than Dr. Jekyll, you know? And I just, I felt something that I was missing something. Our life was somehow trying to talk to me or tell me these things, you know, and putting all those post-it notes up on the wall and going like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? You're not going anywhere. And I checked myself into a facility and then started that the path right there. Nice. It's good that you had the opportunity to actually do so. Otherwise you could have been another statistic. Mm -hmm. I, I really like the point that you brought up with like your brother telling you that, because I don't know um, if you've experienced this in other areas of your life where like there's a synchronicity or it's like you meet someone and it's a, the exact message that you needed to hear. And it's almost like a garden angel, you're protected or something. It's like, dude, you're doing this. Like you, you may not think that you are, but it's like, you need to correct course. You need to fix this. And you didn't at the time, but you still heard it. So that's happened plenty of times in my life. And it's just like, Ooh, damn. <laughs> I need to hear that message right then and there. It's, it's caused me actually to be more present. And what you noticed at the table with your friends is that if you need these substances that are uh, an external substance in order to have fun, then the reality is you're probably not having much fun. Yeah. So you mentioned your, your friends and uh, this kind of plays a part in discipline, in my opinion, anyway, is you are who you surround yourself with. You're kind of guilty by association. So when you were making this drastic change, did you feel like you needed to separate yourself from your, your previous friends and then kind of transplant yourself into a new environment? Oh yeah. You know, that, to your point about the guilty of association, like Jim Rohn, some total of five people you surround yourself with. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I couldn't have been more true. Like, yeah, I look around and be like, I'm hanging out with a bunch of junkies and addicts. Like this is not the high, these are not the high caliber people that I feel that I am, that I should be around. Not, not out of vanity, but out of like just self-worth, like even amidst all that darkness and all the, the shots that I've been taking proverbially, like I still had this like glimmer of, of royalty in my mind or like dignity, pride, you know, whether it's what I was instilled with as a child through my mother and good upbringing from, from her and her family of feeling regal and, and powerful and, and, and substantive. And I was like, I don't belong in these circles. And then with my friends i was like dude all you guys do is like go out every week and same place and you all drink and nobody's really healthy like this isn't really doing it for me either mm -hmm. you know and and i'm not going anywhere because of it and i feel like an outcast like i hang out with these people and i feel like i need to go get more fucked up to not feel that that i'm lowly hanging out with them but then if i hang out with the degenerates i'm like i'm definitely not supposed to be with these people so like i was in this like crux of like uh, rather like an identity crisis, no? And so as I started to really go away from everybody and just go singular on my own, right? I was like, okay, now we're getting somewhere, how I was feeling. And then I would start meeting these other people through my own solidarity, right? Because let's say I was really working out a lot and I'd meet some guy or girl running at the same time that I was running in the city, you know, like a sunrise run on, on the Brooklyn Bridge. And it's like, Hey, what's up? Like you pass somebody on the bridge like that and you never really sometimes have a talk or you're like, 
it's a beautiful day, huh? And they're like, yeah, it's like, you know, don't tell anybody about our secret, you know? And it's like, that's cool. You don't meet that person at 10 o'clock in the morning because you've been on three day bender and you think you're solving the world's problems. Like, oh man, James, fucking love you, dude. And like, I can't wait tomorrow. We're going to do this and blah, 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 blah. We're going to plan that. And you never do any of that shit. But like when you meet this person at, you know, 548 in the morning crossing the Brooklyn Bridge and it's 20 degrees outside, it's like they really want to be there. And so you, like you're talking about presence. And so as I started to do more of these things that really demanded the desire of being there, the more quality of people I was starting to meet. Like I remember meeting my, my girlfriend some years ago at the time, met, met on my birthday at this workout that was, you know, off the grid somewhere. And it was just all those right things. Like you talk about those coincidences or those, those appropriate meeting points of people and whatnot. And I was like, yeah, this is where you're supposed to meet this kind of person. You know, not like oh, I was fucked up in some bar and like we just kind of threw up on each other and <laughs> love story made, you know, not to say that's not good either. I'm sure there's some awesome 50 year marriages that started that way. But like this was different for me because now I was meeting people naturally, soberly and honestly, you know, under like good, positive circumstances and environments to where I was like, yeah, this is, this makes sense. The causal relationships of like, I should be meeting this kind of a guy because I've been doing these kind of things. I should be meeting this kind of a girl because she's into this. I'm into that. My mind is clear. I'm clean between the ears, you know, da, 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 da. so I just kept kind of leaning in towards that. Now don't get me wrong. The grip was still there and the scratch was, was still really hard to take. And I still was, was going back to it every now and again, but the more I kept going into this other side, or inner side, I should say, of me, the less I wanted to do these other things. And there was no space or place for it either. Mm -hmm. Very well put, man. It's uh, it's very challenging because I've had to come to terms with this as well. I was drinking to excess at a certain point and going to all these bars and such. And it, it was fun for me too. But something internally was like, you you can't keep hanging around these people. And I think that's a huge uh deterrent for people to actually make like a lifestyle change because it's what they're comfortable with like these are your friends and it's not necessarily to say that these are bad people but it's you coming to terms with the fact that you no longer want this so you no longer want to be in those situations you no longer want to be in those environments uh and perhaps you just want to kind of go cold turkey maybe don't burn any bridges but if you keep going back to it it's like you're really stunting your growth and it's like you're taking two steps forward, one step back when you could literally just go in one direction and take you there. And since you brought up the, the relationship thing, like people meeting in bars in a club and then getting married, I've always pondered, it's like, what happens when that is their way of meeting? And then down the road, one of them wants to make a lifestyle change and they're kind of being pulled apart and separated. They either kind of have to go together. Uh, like they have to make the change together, which not everyone's ready for because everyone has their own time or things just aren't going to work because you're not going to resonate with those people anymore. You're not going to be on the same wavelength. So I, I wish I would have known all this stuff much, much sooner. I wish someone would have had a way of actually educating me with it. So I wouldn't have to go to the bars and have the hungover nights, and <laughs> the, the drunk mornings where I'm still drunk in the morning after waking up and I get those text messages like, fuck, I did what? <laughs> I don't know if there's a way to completely avoid it. And it's something that you just have to live through. 
now being a father, I wish that my son doesn't have to experience this stuff as well, but who knows, man. But um, what I what I want I wanted to save this toward the end, but since we're kind of on it now, we've talked about friends, environment, your circle, discipline. What what would you say are three things minimum? If you have more, please do add. But what are your anchors? Because I see that you move in the morning. I know that you like to read a lot. I know that you write a lot as well. So what are at least three things? If you want, please go into more. That really kind of just ground you and keep you continuing with this. It's a it's like a, a boulder rolling down a hill. You have the momentum. So what what keeps you going? <laughs> yeah. And like you said, you know, I'm neither judge nor critic to anyone. And the worst thing in the world is to be a reformed drunk, right? To your friends, your family, your circle. And I'm not Billy Graham, come to Jesus. And no, I found it my way. Other people need to find it their own way, you know? Um, even with encouragement and support, like we're doing and, and projecting a message, like, sure, but still, like, if it doesn't ring on your ears and you're not ready to kind of receive that and you're not going to want to do it, I get it. That's fine. Um, and as long as people are happy doing what they're doing, like, God bless you. That's what I say. I don't care if I don't agree with it. I don't care if I don't understand it. But if it's what makes you happy, fucking rock and roll, you know. But But if what you are doing is not actually for genuine happiness or what you think is genuine happiness but it's actually about like this ulterior facade-esque version of um denial and trying to stay away from reality and not facing reality mm, i'm not necessarily going to support that either you know so you know going to the bars getting fucked up and doing that like yeah you're literally taking yourself out of the present, getting into an altered state in order to have your social lubricity or whatever you want to call it. But like same scenario, what I found like going to like workout classes, exercise classes, or like, you know, yoga classes or whatever, like just group physical activities. It's the same construct, except the booze isn't flowing. But in this case, now you've got endorphins, pheromones, testosterone, like sexual chemistry naturally taking place with also memory <laughs> that doesn't get lost actual attention to one another you know like substantive conversation qualitative like exchange of information between people and like real attraction you're not like i don't know is she into me i'm not, i can't tell because i'm really fucked up or how fucked up is she like no like you know when you're like dead eye with somebody that's like super alive and energetic because you guys just went through a hellish workout together or something like oh my god i feel amazing because you do feel fucking amazing because you've got this adrenaline cocktail and epinephrine norepinephrine and dopamine and serotonin and like literal little chemical in you know chemically induced hormones that we take drugs to try to replicate the feelings of that you've got naturally so it's the same thing you're in a group setting drugs alcohol and bullshit over here group setting naturally induced drugs chemicals hormones etc but with no downside you know there's no remorse oh fuck i can't believe i did that last night man like no this is like it's all good you know so that's what i started to kind of see was like the same thing like going out you put your clothes on like what am i going to wear to the 
to this class, you know, like, I don't want to look like a scrub, like what the chicks are going to be wearing, what, what are the guys going to be wearing? Like you click up in the same way you get your, your spot and your right mat. Like it's literally the same, except one, we skew ourselves and then the other, we don't. So that's just kind of a, a nugget for people out there to kind of see the, the balance there. As far as in the three things, yeah, man, for me, it's just, it's the process, right? Um, I have a, a bunch of those things, but I would say if you can just hold on to three of them, then you're going to do really well. Like for me, reading, writing, meditation, stretching, and exercise. That's so like my five reading, writing, stretching, meditation, and exercise. All right. Those are my five. Now, do I hit all of those five every single day? No. Do I try to? Yeah. But the power that each one of those can have as far as in kind of like insulating you or protecting you from what the day might bring bring on, that's what I find the real magic of each of those. Because you don't always, let's say I hit all five. I'm like, I don't finish and go like, oh my God, I hit all my five. I'm going to get my five gold stars. Like, ah, it's great. You know, like doing good doesn't always necessarily feel you know, amazing or doing good things isn't, you don't do good things in order to get the feeling of good after the fact, right? You do them for reasons of which are your own, you know, Hey, I needed that meditation today. I know I need to stretch today. My body likes these things, blah, 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 blah. But it's not for the attaboy pat on the back. Right. But if you don't do those things, the weight of guilt and remorse far outweighs the feelings of attaboy and success, right? So like, if I don't do any of those things, I'll fucking be thinking about it all day long, mm. right? Whereas if I did do them, my meditation wasn't that great this morning. I kind of had some writer's block for what I was writing this morning. Read a couple of pages, not my best reading. I had a recovery run, like 35 minute, just kind of trot, not the greatest run, but it's not meant to be more than that. Stretching was kind of meh this morning. But if I hadn't done any of those, I feel a lot different, right? Because the day is going to be what it is. There's nothing I can do about that. There's nothing I can control, whether it's good or bad or otherwise. It doesn't matter. But those are five simple things that are totally within my control and that their benefits can be exponentially great without anything added on to them, you know, without me needing them to be the best, you know, it didn't need to be the best run. It doesn't need to be the best meditation. I don't, I don't, I don't have to look at them as like, how much, how much juice am I going to get out of this fucking reading today? Like, it's like the opposite, you know, it's about like just the, the total presence and singular focus on each of these things as they are. Right. Whereas everything else we're thinking like, all right, I'm going to maximize, you know, my energy out of this podcast. Like how am I going to maximize my day with my, my efficiency and I'm going to time block. Like everything is so militant and structured and competitive with other things that are around us. Whereas with these things, it's about the exact opposite and doing less, but getting more. And so for me, yeah, it's those five but sometimes it's just, I get one of them even. And I'm like, that one is so strong and powerful that like, it keeps me clear between the ears. And then, like you said, the momentum has already been made. The ball has been rolling and it would 
you know, I could stop doing everything for God knows how long. And like the ball's still rolling because of how much time I've got from doing it. But for anybody listening, you don't have to be the best meditator or the best fucking writer or like, don't think about, Oh my God. Like, don't think about large grand picture. Like to your point about the process and this and the journey to the book, one of my favorite books, the alchemist about going mm. into the pyramids. Yeah, dude. Right. It's like, it's like being in the desert. It's never going to get better. You know, because once you get to those pyramids, you're like, Hey, how about that? Now what? Right. Whereas when you're fucking grinding and, and struggling and wondering and, and, you know, going through all those emotional roller coasters of, of uncertainty in the desert, that's when you're at your best. Because once you get there to those pyramids, you're like, all right, well, now, now what am I supposed to do? Mm-hmm. You know? And so for me, I just, I had those simple, simple, simple things that I found to be so incredibly rewarding that I am religious about not missing them, you know, getting up and, and immediately getting moving, like you said, and just waking my body up and feeling what it's needing, you know, by, by, by listening to, to a tone that cannot be heard. If I immediately go into the digital world, if I'm surrounded by other things and it has nothing to do with, well, Jake, you're single, you don't have kids, but you, anybody can do this. You know, you don't need to go somewhere. You don't need to live in fucking Costa Rica. You don't know. You can, I do this in hotel rooms. I do this on, I've done this offshore in the oil field. I've done this on skips, you know, like middle of the night, blah, 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 exhaust. It doesn't matter. It's just about, it's, it's what you want to do. You'll do it. And it just, you know, step at a time. Like for me meditating, the first few times I was trying it, I was like, all right, I'm trying for five minutes. I had to cut that down to three minutes. I had to cut that down to two minutes because I was so erratic and high strung living in Manhattan at the time. And now it's like, fuck, I can't miss it. And the same thing goes for all those things. I like that you bring up the fact that you're not always going to smash it out of the park because I feel like that's a huge uh, deterrent as well for people that are trying to go on these changes. It's like, if if you've been doing X amount of things that have been negatively impacting your life for decades, it could have been, it's like things are not going to change overnight. And from day to day, the first day is probably going to suck. Anything that you do for the first time, you're probably going to suck at it. And there's going to be that that failure. But as you mentioned before, like uh, failure is not failure unless you're just kind of brushing it off and you're not learning something from it. And it, it's something that I've had to actually come to terms with as a dad now, too. It's like as much as I want to like smash every day with a hard workout, it's like that's not reality. That's not how I'm going to show up. But I know that if I do still show up for myself and I still do do my breath work in the morning, if I still read, even if it's three pages a day because the baby woke up, it's like, I still want to do these things. And it doesn't need to be a wham, bam, grand slam. I don't know where I came up with that one. That was weird. But (laughs) you don't need to smash it out of the park with every single change that you're making. It's just getting better 1% better every single day. And these things eventually are going to compound. And then if you look back later, you're not even going to realize who the fuck you were. If you start to really dive in and make these changes and you commit to it. So, oh, and uh, Alchemist, definitely one of my favorite, favorite books. That's actually the very first interview that I ever got interviewed to do. I talked about the, the Alchemist because that book was pretty much in step with my transformation process. 
It's mm. like you're out in the desert and you may get these synchronicities. You may get the signs, the, the Uman, I think that was the, the stone. It, it's like you will get these little hints that it's like, hey, keep going. I'm still here. Whether you want to yeah. believe God, the universe, like someone's got your back. And I, one of the quotes from that book is uh, when you truly commit to something, when you make up your mind, the whole world, the whole universe will conspire to make that happen for you. It yeah. may look exactly how you want it to look. And there's going to be days where you're just like, what am I doing? Why, why am I on this journey? You're out in the desert. <laughs> Keep going. This is actually something I talked to Jade about recently on our trip to Puerto Rico, where we, we uh, walked to these waterfalls and there was a whole bunch of people at them. They were pretty easy to access. And then beyond that, though, there was a much larger waterfall and like a private pool. Mm. This is something that I've seen throughout my life. It's like, if you keep going, you will earn something that is far greater than what most people are willing to actually strive for. So keep fucking going. And one last thing, just because you mentioned it with the, the bars and happiness and this facade that people kind of put up. I think a, a really hard question for people to ask because they'd have to pause and they'd actually have to take inventory is, am I actually happy? Mm. Is this making me happy? And that could be like a, a an epiphany right there where you do like a dead stop and you look around. That happened to me in a club, actually. It was, oh, a last, nice. it was the last time that I ever took ecstasy, being vulnerable myself. Uh, I had a date there. She didn't eat because she was nervous because I was a trainer and she was puking in the bathroom. I'm like, okay. I look down at the dance floor and I see everyone kind of bobbing in the same exact way. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing here? That was That was it. It was the last mm -hmm. time I ever messed with any of that. Last time I've been in a club, and now I'm here. So, yeah, man. I have my stories too. I have plenty of stories. I love that. I, you know, like what you're talking about there is like one of my favorite things to think about as far as like conscience congruence. One of the most difficult things we do as human beings is trying to convince our minds of something that our hearts know to be a lie. Period. Full stop. You know, and like all the writing can be on the wall and we can get all these messages. My brother, law school, blah, 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 bathroom, club. But we'll still be like, no, like, no, you know, we'll try to reason and rationalize our way through it. And it's like, no, man, it's right here. It's got you, you know, but where does this come from? It's actually come from our gut, mm -hmm. right? But most of us, our guts are actually so fucking unhealthy, corrupted, polluted, and otherwise tainted that you shouldn't trust your gut. I tell most people don't like if someone's like, Hey man, what do you think about trusting your gut? Me? I trust my gut, but I wouldn't fucking trust yours. You know what I mean? Like my clients. Yeah. I tell them now, like once they get to certain places, now you can trust your gut. Mm -hmm. Whereas before, fuck no, don't do that because that is feeding this and this is feeding that. So like, think about the, how stepped on and diluted that message is by the time it gets to your brain. Right. If, if we're trying to go get some cocaine, like, I want the Bolivian jungle lab taste 100% pure. You know, like I don't want the shit that I used to buy that by the time it gets to the Bronx, like God knows how much that's been stepped on and cut down. Hell no. Mm -hmm. So the same thing with the messages from our guts. If your gut is polluted, tainted, corrupted, or otherwise, like what's the messages it's sending to your emotional center? What 
messages from that emotional center are going up to your cerebral. Like, you don't think that's being tainted or tarnished either. So yeah, for most people out there, don't trust your fucking guts because they're fucking not good. But when your gut is clean, like, yeah, man, trust it because it's real. That's real intuition. And that's actually a perfect little segue into what I want to get into next because we have the, the gut brain axis. So I'm very, really happy that you mentioned that. And if you're putting trash inside your body, then yeah, your, your gut is considered your second brain. You have what's called the gut brain axis. Your gut will affect your mental state. And then it could actually work uh, vice versa as well, where your brain affects your gut health. So if you're chronically anxious and stuff like that, it can kind of affect your digestion. But I would say that you're going to be better off and you're going to be more intuitive. And yes, you can actually trust your gut. It's going to give you the right hits if you are providing it with the optimal nutrition. Mm. So, uh, from what I've read in your stories, this is what I want to touch on first, is I believe that you did a bodybuilding competition as a vegan, no? So yeah. I want to know how that worked out because that is completely on the other side of the spectrum compared to where you are at now. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what was that like? How were you able to actually sustain yourself? Because I make up in my head that it'd be incredibly difficult to do so, but clearly maybe not the case. Um, hats off to, to dating the right girls for this one, for sure. Because my vegetarian career or time as a vegetarian, which was over a year, um, was because of a girl I was dating. My delve into the vegan world, which is 14 months, um, was because of a girl that I was dating, you know? So like a lot of my dietary experiments have actually been because of the girls that I was dating at the time keeps the house more civil to me. I'm like, yeah, I'll try that. I'll try that. I'm curious. It's, it was neat. It was different. So that's how those all started first off. And then when I was actually working as a trainer in New York, these became places of empathy for me to be able to better understand clients who I was serving. So, you know, people are like, Hey, have you tried this diet? Da, da, da. Like every diet that I've subjected myself to has been more than like a year, right? Not like 30 days or a couple of weeks, but to be able to say like, I really kind of got through it, had to deal with ups and downs, you know, sicknesses and, you know, pains and grains and other good things. And then, yeah, having competed in this. And the reason I wanted to do this as a vegan was because so many people like, you can't do it. It's not going to be easy, but I was like, well, I'm going to definitely fucking do it since she said I can't, right? So as far as an easy or difficult, um, it's hard to say whether it's easy or difficult. Uh, I would say it's laborious because as a vegan, you cannot source those macronutrients in their balances naturally. Meaning, you know, try to go find me a wholesome all natural source of vegan protein that doesn't have a bunch of carbs or fat along with it. it doesn't exist. There's not like a pure protein source, right? Like a purely protein source. Um, or, okay, fine. A spinach or, you know, green or something like that. Do you know how much fucking spinach that would take? Right. And someone's like, yeah, you could just get it from spinach. You would literally need a dump truck backed in here plop that down and then to boil all that down and to cook that. And like, do you have any idea the type of stress that would be done to the, I mean, you do, of course, James, but like people just eat them idiots. So the stress that would be done on the body, the work that it would cause to do, so you have to take supplements. So I have, you know, the right powders, 
the right tinctures, the right droppers. It was just the whole, you know, chem lab worth of shit, but it's doable. So yes, easier, difficult, I don't know, but laborious for sure, right? So um, during all that, I didn't know at the time it was actually foreshadowing for what I would find later on, but, you know, I'm having like four or five bowel movements a day. And I'm thinking like, well, I'm a vegan bodybuilder. I'm fucking super athletic and I'm in great shape. My metabolism's really high. Eh, this is why I do that. Fast forward, when I go down this carnivore animal-based rabbit hole and I stop having bowel movements altogether, sometimes for over, I think 13 days is the longest I've gone um, without one. And I'm like, son of a bitch. You know, all those times when I'm having three, four, five a day and now I'm not having any at all. My body's telling me like, all this is waste. All this is discard. We don't need any of it. You know, we're just extracting the nutrients, which there are very few and removing all these husks and bullshit and saying we don't need it. Whereas consuming an animal-based diet, and especially a carnivore, and even more so if it's just red meat, um, there's like no discard, minimal to zero, right? And that became like this first like eureka moment to me of like, hmm, this is interesting. And now we're talking about the body's processing efficiency. And when my brother's daughter was born, so before next month, and she was just feeding on breast milk and you can see this as a father her bowel movements were very minimal they were less frequent the odors were kind of strange and neutral and and even the consistency i remember like this isn't like poop like what is this like i was touching it you know but when she got on the jars the colorful jars that all kids usually inevitably get on everything changed you know the smells changed it was like okay she definitely just shit herself like the smell from down the hall um, whose turn is it to change her? I don't want to go do it. She's crying. She's getting rashes. Like all everything changed. I was like, why is that? I was like, well, because breast milk is a miracle of mammalian evolution. Why do we make it? Because it gives our infants everything they need from a single source, one single source, all the nutrients, all the vitamins that they need to grow and develop efficiently, but also safely. Right. So single source, maximum absorption, minimal storage, very little discard, but with as least amount of stress on the body as possible. That's the most important part, the least amount of stress. Why? Because if we fucking overstress those little bodies, it could kill them, right? If we put the wrong things in their baby bodies, like it could kill them. So give them everything they need from this one source, have it be highly processable, meaning the bioavailability is 100%. There's minimal discard because they're using everything of it and it's stressing their bodies the least. Well, what as adults could there be something comparable to that in a single source? It's like, it's fucking red meat. There's nothing else in the world or on the planet that has that type of a profile as far as the macro, micronutrients, amino acids, enzymes, and whatnot from a single source. So that was like these first little bits of like, oh man, this is really crazy. It's it's totally throwing wrenches in my spokes of everything I thought I knew in nutritional science and like the certifications that I got and like, Oh my God, I've coached people to, to eat this way or don't do this. Nah. So it put me in this real juxtaposition to use a very fancy word mm-hmm. of what to do, what I think I should do, you know, what my heart feels, what my brain is saying back to that, you know, convincing my mind of something my heart knows to be a lie. I don't know if it was a lie or not, but I was suddenly in the arena of the body is fucking amazing. 
the human body is amazing. And, and I respect and admire many people in different types of uh, dietetic, uh, dietetic arenas and nutritional science arenas. And I've been on this animal-based carnivore path for over three years now. I'm like, man, this is this is this keeps making me scratch my head because it makes me keep wondering and guessing and guessing and being amazed by by things. But I still find not absolutism with everything. That everything is still not dogmatic. Do I believe that there's tremendous health benefit here and purpose and utility? And absolutely. Do I? feel that a lot of other things in other dietary disciplines are bullshit. Yeah, definitely. You tell me something from a plastic, from a wrapper, a package or a box is better for me than something that I can pick, pull or kill. Get the fuck out of here. Straight up. Right. I don't care how artisanally organically, you know, made well with soft white gloved hands. It's uh, fuck off. And that's where I really went into this um, split with the vegan world was Unless you're a raw vegan, you're eating a lot of processed food, yeah. period, you know? And so now my adage is more about pick it, pull it, kill it. And if you can't do that, then yeah, I don't need it. <laughs> I mean, it's really simple. It's like it came from this earth. It didn't require any processes or any steps. It's literally kill the cow or kill the chicken, whatever it may be. And carnivore is only strictly red meat. So I, different people, depending on who you ask, might answer differently, but this is my way. Um, start with three rings. Animal-based would be the largest of the three rings, the most all, in, the most inclusive, so to speak. So animal-based would say, the way I define it, if the denominator of your fraction, your calorie fraction, the majority of your calories are coming from animals or animal byproducts, that is animal-based. So for eating 2,000 calories a day for simple math, 1,001 calories would be from animals or animal byproducts. The numerator, I would say is whatever you want, but if it's me, I'm gonna say pick it or pull it. I'm not just put whatever else you want in there, right? So that would be animal-based. Majority of your calories coming from animals and animal byproducts. Carnivore removes the pick it and pull it and it's just kill it, the way I define it. So mm -hmm. what about pepper? Well, pepper's a plant, so no. What about coffee? Coffee's a plant, so no. So animals and animal byproducts, that's what I consider carnivore. And then within that would be the red meat, salt, and water, or the quote lion diet, which is just the ruminant polygastric animal. So cow, bison, sheep, and goat, salt, and water. So animal-based, the big one, carnivore, the middle one, and then the lion diet, the closest and tightest one. But some people would define those differently. Some people would say, yeah, coffee is with carnivore. And I'm like, well, coffee is a fucking plant. So I don't think it is, you know, or like, well, what about this spice and the seasoning? And I'm like, I, I, anything that is not an animal or an animal byproduct to me is animal based. Yeah. I'm about to do a, a podcast next week, actually regarding coffee. And it's going to definitely shit in a lot of people's grain based. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, I'm, I'm not, I'm not against it. You know, I just, I've stopped drinking it. I know, buddy. I've stopped drinking it um, because of how it's made me feel. You know, like I've noticed just adverse feeling. Like I noticed the feeling of stimulation. And to me, that is, that is altered. That's an altered state. And I don't want to feel that. You know, even, okay, stimulated or not. Well, I don't want to fucking feel stimulated. I don't need to feel stimulated. So mm -hmm. for me, just feeling that, I'm like, yeah. 
So I, I'm I'm pretty sure I'm done with the coffee. Um, pretty sure. Yeah, I've been uh, coffee free since the beginning of June, actually. So this is my one month. Oh, nice. I get my one month little chip back chip. Yeah, right. Nice. Congrats. Um, and just like you say, it's like it's a it's a feeling of alert. I feel like I'm productive, but actually I'm more just like wired. I'm all over the place. I can get stuff done, but mm. I feel like once I've been able to slow down, I, I'm actually much more efficient and I can relax a little bit more. So it's a stimulant. It's a drug. Same. It, it reminds me of like being like coke wired. And I was like, I was like, I don't fucking like this. Like being cocaine wired, knowing that I'm cocaine wired because I've been taking cocaine is a different thing than being like, I feel like this from coffee. I don't want to, I don't want to associate those two. I'm sitting having fucking breakfast with my mother and I'm like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, I'm like, this isn't cool. Like, no, <laughs> you know, I don't want to be looking at my mother thinking that, wow, this reminds me of cocaine. Like, nah, it's a bad picture. I thought it was interesting that you mentioned the the bowel movements. That's a big one. Cause I've noticed that once I actually reduced my carbohydrate intake, uh, I've been doing keto. Uh, I've recently transitioned back to keto since January. I haven't gone like full carnival. I'll have like a, a refeed, I suppose, if that's what you want to call it, maybe once a week or so. Um, but I did notice that once I dropped my carbohydrate intake that, yeah, my, my bowel movements are much less and they're, they're better. Um, so yeah, it, it doesn't make sense to me either how it's this waste product that people are literally going to the bathroom constantly throughout the day. It's like, that's waste. That is weight. You are not absorbing it. So what the hell are you eating? So you were vegan, you're cabinet was full of like supplements your cabinet was probably much fuller than your refrigerator actually was and going to this carnivore type approach now now you actually feel like you have much more sustainable energy oh man like yeah you know like when you're totally carbohydrate dependent um you need to replenish that more frequently just because mm -hmm. of the glucose right and because the carbohydrate is a fast burning sugar, as opposed to fat being a slow burning energy source. If you think about like um, alcohol versus um, wax or versus petroleum jelly, if you dunk your hand in a high proof grain alcohol, like I used to do at the bar, squirt it all over my hand and light it on fire. I can light my hand on fire and show you and be like, look, James, my hand's on fire. What a cool trick. <laughs> and then just shake it. And the flame goes away because the alcohol burns very quickly and it can be gone very quickly. If I were to take the same hand and stuff it in petroleum jelly and light that on fire and kiss that fucking hand goodbye, because you know that's napalm and it's burning jelly, right? Why? Because it burns very, very, very slow because it's a fat, right? It's an energy source. That's why we use whale blubber and oils and other things for waxes and soaps and candles to create fire to be able to sustain fire because it's very slow burning whereas you don't want to do that with alcohol it's going to burn out real quickly that's why we use high octane alcohol for our race cars you know it's why we use high octane fuels for high performance engines jets and whatnot because it's very fast burning so what i found through a carnivore diet was when i was running just purely on fat and i was cranking this up to like 85 percent of my uh calories were actually coming from fat so some most people like when you're doing keto start off at like 60 65 get up to 70 percent fat dominant 
I was up to 85 and at times of night drinking some holy water. Love it. I was up to uh, 85%. Uh, if anybody doesn't know, James makes stuff called holy water. It's really good. You can get it at Southwest Ranch's uh, Farmer's Market in Florida. It's delicious. It's not a plug. It's just a fact. Um, the, uh, at times, I was up to 90% fat. And I was just like, man, this is awesome. Checking my ketones, like seeing how easily I was in ketosis and staying in ketosis. And then just kind of realizing, like, I'm literally wearing my energy. It's form as a form of fat, right? Like that I was wearing, even when I was really lean, like I still got body fat. And I was just like, wow, this is really cool. As opposed to having to replenish, you know, not having crashes whatsoever, just constantly sustain energy throughout the day. And I've since even experimented with like heavy fruit days where I'm just eating fruit all day long and see what it feels like. I'm like, yeah, I definitely have to pick back up because I can feel, you know, my, my blood sugar go up and I'm like, all right, I'm humming, I'm humming, I'm humming. But then like, it starts to decline. And then I'm like, okay, I need another pick me up. Interesting. Whereas strict carnivore. Oh, you want to, you want to lock me in a room for two weeks and, and make me go head to head with somebody else. It's some different type of diet. And we have to do math or they're fucked. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, so these little things and then doing things that people said wouldn't be possible or shouldn't be possible on the diet. Like I ran the, uh, the Philly marathon in 2021 fasted and dry. So no food before and no water during the course, no gels, no zero hydration whatsoever. And ran it in, in sub three thirty. And people are like, man, you're not gonna be able to run it that fast. I was like, fuck you, I'm gonna do it. And sure enough, I don't know if you could do that the other way because of how I was drawing the energy. I don't know. Think about how much, how many carbs you have to consume beforehand and be able to sustain that effort over a three and a half hour period. I don't know, maybe, but. I just kept doing these things that people said shouldn't be able to do or that's not going to be able to work out. But again, feeling was the understanding. And that's what I kept, you know, laying my allegiance to. It's a very clean and clear feeling. Like if, if someone hasn't tried this out before, if they've never been like in a state of ketosis, like it feels good. It, it almost feels like a high. And once I achieved this for the first time, I was like, I feel like this is how we were meant to live. Like, it doesn't make sense to me from a logical standpoint that we'd be glucose dependent, as we're told that glucose is the main energy source of the body. Well, number one, we can create our own if we needed to. The liver can create it through gluconeogenesis, enough to sustain the brain and any other bodily functions. Like it can produce its own if necessary. And as you mentioned with the glucose, we constantly need to be feeding ourselves. So if people are running a marathon and they're sugar burners, then they're going to constantly need to be replenishing this. Otherwise what's going to happen is they're going to hit that wall, which if you are fat adapted, if you're able to actually, and you're efficient at using your own body fat, which is stored energy. So if you can grab it on your body and you're listening to this, you have energy you could probably do a very long extended fast. And I believe that the actual record for fast is like 380 days or so. And they lived someone that was losing weight. Not that I recommend that for everyone. Uh, And definitely if you're going to pursue something like that, please do so monitored with your physician, with your doctor, please do not do anything reckless. Um, But yeah, it doesn't make sense to me that we would be sugar dependent because seasonally, unless you're living in a tropical area, yeah, where where would you have an abundance of carbohydrates available to you at all times? 
even fruit, it's going to be seasonal. So otherwise, what would you have available to yourself? You would have the animals and the animal byproducts. You would be a fat burner. And it, what's crazy to me is we have the calories in and calories out model, which I think is complete bullshit uh, based off like certifications and stuff that um, I've gone through in the past where people believe that you just need to eat less calories and, or whatever it may be. <laughs> if you were to follow that, proteins have, uh, what is it? Four, four calories per gram. Carbohydrates, four calories per gram. Fat, nine calories per gram. And there's this strange, what would it be called? Um, can't find the word right now, but it's like nine. Nine is more than four. <laughs> it seems to me, logically speaking, that we should probably aim to consume a shit ton of that. And if we do so, we will feel good. Fat does not make you fat. Fat is probably, in my opinion, and I, I believe that you'd agree, would be the primary source of fuel that we should be running off of. Agreed. Correct. So I know that you're also doing this one meal a day thing, I believe. So what's your purpose behind that? How has that benefited you? And uh, what, what inspired that? Because I believe that's called the warrior diet. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been uh, reading bodybuilding forms for like 12 years now. So I came across. Yeah, yeah, I, um, you know, kind of like what you and I were talking about a few weeks ago about um, getting into ketosis and how sometimes it's, it's challenging. And after like, you know, several days of fast, it's like, wow, I'm still not in ketosis. And what people need to understand, and, and I say this a lot, like, Eating keto does not mean you're in ketosis. And most keto dieters never actually get in ketosis. But I don't get it. I lost tons of weight. Yeah, because you eliminated fucking grains and processed food. Congratulations. That's really what happens for most people. Unless you're checking with a digital, not urine strip, but a digital glucose meter of some kind, or you're using a, uh, a CGM, you're probably not in ketosis. And just like you said before, about like three, four days of a fast, like, still barely get into it. Well, if you've been consuming, you, me, or any of us, steadily, consistently, carbohydrates, 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 it's going to take time for the body to stop producing its own glucose. You literally have to like strain slash, slash stress your body to the point where it goes, oh, we are totally glucose, uh, glycogen deprived. We no longer are creating our own glucose. We no longer have any carbohydrates to source from in order to create that glucose. Thus, we have to get this liver rocking and rolling and producing these ketone bodies. But most people never get there because they never stress or strain the body enough to actually elicit the response. So anyone that's trying to do that or looking to get into to ketosis or try to get themselves into ketosis, the best way I can tell you to do it is to get a digital glucose meter or a ketone meter and actually test yourself regularly. And I do very effectively get into ketosis by way of fasting. So let's say if I stop eating, you know, I haven't eaten today. It usually takes me about 36 hours sometimes, even if I've been eating a carnivore diet. Why is that? Well, because each of us has a different, uh, as James Atkins would put it, Dr. Atkins would put it, uh, a carbohydrate threshold, meaning a critical carbohydrate threshold. What is the maximum amount of carbohydrates we can consume per day without taking our bodies out of ketosis. And for most of us, we never actually find that out because we never go down to actual baseline zero 
of zero carbohydrate consumption and then titrate our ways back up to that, right? So mine might be 50, but James's might be 20. You know, mine might be 25, James might be 100. I doubt it's 100, but like the point being, most of us never go down to zero and then titrate back up to kind of figure that out. But you can do this with trial and error, with fasting, with eliminating carbs, with reducing carbs, and with adding in and increasing your fat percentages um, for your overall calorie consumption, and then using the monitor to confirm. But otherwise, you shoot in the dark. But yeah, ketosis is a very noticeable feeling, almost to the point where I've been like, you know, fidgety of like, dude, what is wrong with me? I'm like, oof, like I just feel like I can't sit still, but in a good way. And as far as in fasting and the forums and what you've been reading and the one meal a day, we spend so much time eating. We spend so much time preparing. We, we dedicate so much fucking time to food, period, whether it's through thought or through action. And I started doing the one meal a day because it was just, I don't know if it was what I read in a, an old Spartan text or some kind of a page from that warrior diet, like you're talking about, I don't know, but it was just like, it was just, you know, I did this and then I found this and then I went down this rabbit hole and it led me to this, right? This one meal a day thing. And I started doing that because of the discipline of it, right? This is my way of being in the proverbial desert and going against the grain of temptation and normalcy and with conventionalism, whatever else is out there in the world and saying like, I'm going to eat one meal a day and I'm going to do it. And because you know, as a carnivore, so I'm like totally doing my own thing. But that freed up so much time that freed up a lot of brain ether that freed up a lot of stress. Like, I don't know. I was just like, Oh my God, man, look at all this extra time I have. And then I started to see that too. And people like, Hey man, do you want to go eat? Hey, you want to go do this? I'm like, not really like not like I don't want to go be having to go eat or prepare or cook every three or four hours or five or whatever it was I was like dude and the more I did that the more creativity I was able to foster and find and just self-time right alone time in the best way and showed me how sadly most of the world lives to eat rather than eats to live we live to eat rather than eat to live pretty much everywhere snacking and otherwise you know and then we use it as a as, you know more slow social fluidity of like talking and killing time and fucking off and just getting away from our realities whatever they are mm-hmm. because the dopamine that we get from that food and the, the kind of sense of community that comes with eating together it's like taking us away from the depressive nature of what our lives really are so i was like fuck this i'm gonna totally spin that around and I'm going to subject myself to making this purpose, you know, specifically about utility, not about pleasure. Don't get me wrong. I still got pleasure from it. I love cooking my food. I love preparing my food. I love going to Southwest ranches and getting my things. To me, that was like me going out and foraging to get my kill, right? Mm-hmm. I drive there from Miami. It's a drive, you know, it's like up to an hour sometimes. And I would go there and I'd put an animal together. So I would get like a couple of roasts, a couple of ribs. And like, I would literally build an animal. And I'd be like, I'm bringing this animal back to the, to the cave. And then this is what we're going to eat for the next you know, 10 days or something like that. And I wouldn't go back there until I finished that animal. So it became this version of like me being a hunter gatherer and only having my one meal a day and then maybe not having a meal a day. 
because who says we have to eat at all? And, you know, like all this time we spend eating and consuming, whereas the timeline of three meals a day or having to eat at noon, like even omatting one meal a day, we don't have to do it, you know? So like, I just kept falling into these rabbit holes of, of like what I thought I knew to be dogmatic or absolute. And then I was questioning and changing everything and finding some rules to be bendable, some totally breakable as far as back to bodybuilding. Like I need to eat or refuel within the anabolic window 30, 45 minutes after my workout with carbohydrates. It's like, I was fasting and competing in bodybuilding. I know, buddy. I was fasting and competing in bodybuilding. I was omatting in bodybuilding. So like, and winning. So what we thought to be dogmatic absolute about nutritional science and dietetics, I was finding out to be otherwise. And the same thing is now. Like, I believe in, for sure, pick it, pull it, kill it. Packages, wrappers, and boxes, trash. Um, I agree with you with calories in, calories out, because yeah, you can consume, you know, well, I forget what a 20 ounce bottle of Coke is, but I believe it's 200 and something calories. If you consume, you know, 10 of those a day for 2250 calories, like, yeah, you're, you're under your daily allotment. So you're eating in a deficit, but like, how the fuck do you think you're going to feel from that? Yeah. Right. As opposed to what if I only eat a thousand calories a day, but it's just this pure piece of diesel fuel of like beef liver wrapped in tallow and fat or something like that. Like you're going to be fine on this for a long time, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to the other one, you're not going to make it too long. So I don't know, man, like I, I keep falling into these rabbit holes about new things. And then, you know, whether it's reading about, you know, fruitarianism and, and vegetarianism, veganism, carnivorism, like anything. I, I listen to anybody's opinion, especially if they've got conviction and, some type of you know literature or just or even anecdotal evidence and research to kind of support their their theories and their their ways um i listen to it because i think there's pages to be taken from anybody um and that's what i've been doing all this time i think it's big what you said about how um like we eat we spend so much time in the the omad the one meal a day seems so damn convenient and Man, if you have not seen Jake's stories, he cooks a mean fucking steak. <laughs> yeah, every single time that I see you post up your meals, I'm like, oh my God, I want that. And every, <laughs> every night I just want a damn ribeye. Like it, it tastes so good. And we're, we're yeah. to fear animal fats, which it's like the complete opposite. Like this is the things that we need to go for. So if you hear it in the mainstream media, it's probably absolute bullshit. And you need to question a little bit. So I'm curious if the the OMAD, the one meal a day, I don't know how much research you've done into this. Clearly, you can do it. Clearly, you can sustain yourself on maybe not even eating in a single day. And you don't necessarily need to meet these calorie needs, as we're told we need, we need to. And especially if you're eating something like diesel fuel, like you said, are you actually absorbing it? So if it's something that you're actually absorbing, do you need so much of it? Do we need to be constantly like, feeding our gullets and what I see it as is almost like a suppression. Like it's a, it's another way to numb out is your food controlling you. Or are you controlling your food? Which I really love the way, the way that you kind of put that, like you're going for the kill, you're going for the animal. And then that's it. One meal a day. This is what we're eating. It's really fucking simple. But with the, the OMAD, the one meal a day, do you feel like this would be safe for females? Cause yeah. Females are a whole nother. Hold on, no. Yeah. Great question too. Um, 
and I've got uh, several female clients that will definitely attest to the viability and pleasure of doing it because it's just the fat, you know, whether you break up that single meal into multiple meals throughout the day, it's the fat being the base of it all is, is where the, the value comes and where the hormone regulation, where the good sleep, where the, the extended energy, where the mental clarity, all that. And as important as nutrition is, my three parts of, of health are detoxification, nutrition, and exercise in that order. Oh, wait, so nutrition is not number one for you? No, it's not. Detoxification is. So whether that's veganism, vegetarianism, vegetarianism, carnivorism, animal-based, whatever, you know, halal, Mediterranean, I don't care what diet. What lifestyle, what exercise? Detoxification is number one, meaning protecting the womb, you protecting yourself from impurity, places, people, things, substances, whatever. Because you can eat really well, but if you're still taking in toxins from this person, this place, these other things, the grade of what you're retaining from that consumption that you're having is going to be tarnished because of those toxins. Add that on top of quality of your exercise that you're going to get because that's the same thing it's going to be tarnished because of the toxins you know as well as i do james like people that work out 10 times a week but they don't look like it because they eat and live like shit and then we have friends that don't work out at all but who eat and live incredibly and they look like bionic human beings why is that that's the power of detoxification and nutrition versus exercise but as far as in the viability of, the, of, of OMAD, yeah, it's just the hardest part is trying to wrap your head around the societal abrasiveness about the whole thing. Because everything out there, for the most part in the, work, in the waking world, is telling you it's wrong. You feel the need to want to eat with your friends and you want, yeah, of course you're human. You want to connect. You want a community. You want to do these things. You don't want to be ostracized or you don't want to ostracize or isolate yourself, right? But when you start thinking like, man, I'm, I'm really on to something here. And you start feeling that again, because the feeling is the understanding. That's when I started to question everything and say, it's not about that I need it or that I want it and talk about being hungry or starving. Let me ask you this. The next time you hear someone say, man, I'm really hungry right now, or I'm, or I'm, or I'm fucking starving. All right. Here's a dry piece of cauliflower. Mm -hmm. Oh man, I'm not going to eat that. Then you're not fucking hungry. You're certainly not fucking starving. Most people, and I'm going to say the greater majority, probably more than 90% of the Western world, especially in the first world, no idea what it means to be hungry. Probably myself included. Mm -hmm. No idea what it feels like to be starving. Definitely myself included. Like true hunger. True hunger. Mm -hmm. I've been, I've, I've, I've wanted to eat a lot. Oh yeah. But have I ever been actually starving? Nope. Mm -hmm. I've wanted to, I've really wanted to eat at times, but I've ever actually been truly hungry. I don't know. Hmm. And that's, I think the hardest thing to get past is that there's a difference between being actually hungry slash starving and just wanting to eat. And for most people, we just want to eat because it kills boredom. It numbs pain. It takes us away from the feelings of present depressive reality. And, you know, so that's, I think, the hardest part for all of us. It's not about the utilitarianism of it or the purposefulness of it because it fucking works. You know, how do we grow up? Like we were hunter-gatherers. We might eat once a week. 
you know, we had that one kill. What if we don't see another animal for another week or so? Okay. So you better eat all that fucking fat. You better eat those organs because this is going to sustain us. Now we might forage on berries and some fruits in the interim. Sure. But for the most part, we're walking around looking for that mega funnel to like to take down and to make ourselves and our tribe be able to last and sustain. So we weren't eating as regularly then as what we're eating now. And if you think about the um, whole of humanity, so like throughout our evolution of 2.8 million years, close to, close to three, if you think about our way of eating, the way that we evolved, is a 24-hour clock. The modern form of eating represents about 30 seconds on that clock. So the last 100 years or so, 150 years, we'll call it the Industrial and Agricultural Revolution, represent 30 seconds of that evolutionary clock of our eating. So the other 23 hours, 59 minutes, and 30 seconds, we were eating this other way. But now, because we're enlightened and so smart that boxes and packages and wrappers are suddenly what we need to eat in order to be healthier and that we need to eat at these times and this frequency and these amounts, I don't know. Because certainly our decline in health would say otherwise. Mm -hmm. These past 30 seconds have kind of sucked <laughs> in terms of human health and our potential. It, it's, exactly. it's gross, man. Once I had this wake up call and when we were in Puerto Rico, I saw even more processed foods than I've ever seen before. The, the people in front of me, I looked in their grocery cart and their grocery bill came out to 360 bucks. Like mm -hmm. I don't even spend that at, at Southwest Ranch's farmer's market. So yeah. man, and, and it was all crap. It's, it's a, it's really a shame to me. It's like, it's not even food. It's really not food. It's just straight poison. And you mentioned the detox, nutrition, exercise. It's like people will go on these detox cleanses. Oh, let me go on this week's worth of juices. I'll pay a thousand dollars. And I was like, you wouldn't fucking need to detox so much. If you just stopped toxing in the first place, like work yeah. harder, not harder. You don't need to go to the gym 10 times a week. I, I don't even go to the gym 10 times a week. No. Some days I'll just need a recovery day. Some yeah. days just literally me carrying the baby around. It's like you don't yeah. need that much maybe <laughs> to like stay lean. So I'm really hoping this, this conversation will help people feel a little bit more comfortable in terms of fast, uh, um, fats and fast, honestly. Yeah. But as you mentioned, we don't really know what true hunger is. I've gone on a, a week fast before, which, which is really weird, dude. I had an in-body. And I actually gained muscle mass. So I, I know that fast um, growth hormone is going to be released. It's going to help preserve your muscle mass. I yep. put on leg mass and I had some of the best workouts of my life while I was fasted. No calories in, no calories out. I did drop some weight. A lot of this would have just been from uh, my glycogen depleting and such like that. Sure, sure. But it, I do hope it makes you feel a little bit more comfortable and start to challenge what we've been told because fats are our friend. And I do believe that's our primary fuel source that we will feel fucking amazing if we can all run off of. So the, the last thing that I want to get into here uh, would be people are cutting the fat off of steaks, which I fucking hate. It's like, give me that. Give me that. You don't want that piece of steak? I'll eat it. But what about the quality of the food that you're consuming? Because I know that you just moved over to Mexico. I have a pretty good source over here at Southwest Ranges Farmers Market. 
would you be consuming the fat from an animal that's been pumped with antibiotics or they've been like grain fed, soy fed, or would you try to avoid that? What quality of meats should people go for? And if they can't afford it, because I know that's not in everyone's um, price range, what would you do at that point then? Great question. Um, and for me, like, yeah, I definitely go for quality. First, I try to prioritize quality. And what does quality mean? Well, what is the most ethically cultivated and environmentally sound process of, of agriculture, right? Or horticulture. So where do the animals live? What are they fed? How are they taken down? What kind of regenerative soil or any of the good asterisks, right? I always look for it. Does that always exist? Absolutely not. Does that usually come with a price premium? 100% it does. So what do you do? Well, I can't afford that. Da, 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 da. For most people, you can afford a lot more than you realize if you're not spending money on the other things. So, well, I don't know. Like, Jake, why would you spend $45 on a gallon of buffalo milk? <laughs> why would you spend $50 on a bottle of wine? Why would you spend $500 on a bottle of brandy? Why would you spend $1,000 on a bottle of bourbon? but I'm crazy because I spent $50 mm -hmm. on a bottle of Buffalo milk. Um, but to the point of, you know, what I do here and, and et cetera, et cetera, the lowest grade of whole, true, real, natural food, animal or otherwise, is still far better than the highest grade of any processed nonsense. So I will gladly eat 99 cents a pound fucking ground beef raw out of the wrapper before eating in a dinner of this shit. I'll eat hot dogs. I'll eat, I don't care what, you know, gizzards and livers, and um, whatever people think to be the lower, you know, tripe and intestines, sweetbreads that I eat here in Mexico, like mollejas, tripas, all the innards and the stuff that people think is the low level, scoop it up with a spoonful before I start going into, you know, God bless Mexico. My mother's from here. Um, but this country consumes more Coca-Cola than any other country on the planet. Is it? the biggest country on the planet no <laughs> countries in asia and south asia are far larger we know that yet they are not in the top five consumers of, of soda mexico is number one brazil is number two yes he's little number three red white and blue <laughs> so i say as long as you're staying away from the other things like man you can eat literally the bleached white shit styrofoam carton eggs and the 99 cent ground beef and hot dogs and you're going to be better off in my opinion than eating any of that other processed nonsense so yes do i look for regeneratively grown corn and soy free pork and poultry and grass-fed and finished beef and everything else pasture-raised outdoor access wild caught yeah but does it always come out that way no but i'm still going to err on that side before i put any of that other for sure, manufactured poison into my body, right? Things that literally on the wrapper say made of elements that are not organic matter, right? Or made of genetically modified organisms, made of genetically modified, contains genetically modified ingredients. Literally in bold on the wrapper tells you that. Whereas these other things, maybe they aren't fed the greatest thing. Maybe they weren't slaughtered in the most sustainable or environmentally conscious or ethical way but what life is more important mine or 
the welfare or the morals or the debatable ethics of what's providing the sustenance or the world sustenance as opposed to what's given the bottom dollar to a fucking corporation that doesn't give two shits about your actual health. I don't know. You know, I'd rather err on the side of like vitality mm-hmm. than questionable morality. Right? Debatable morality. Well, what about the animals? And this is like, dude, you're literally giving money to a vicious cycle that's built to keep you stupid, scared, and sick. Eat these foods, take these pills, drink this booze, get sick, take this medicine, go see this doctor, drink this coffee to try to reset yourself back to baseline and start over, over and over and over. That's the perpetual fucking sick cycle of pretty much most Americans. As opposed to, you know, like, what's his name? I forget his name, um, but raw raw food experiment he cracks me up this dude and the last forget how many years but for sure the last 30 days he's eaten just raw ground beef eggs and raw milk and just laughing his way to the bank you know and like that's what you don't understand like yeah try to eat fucking snickers every day for a month see how that does you you know morgan spurlock with his 30 days in mcdonald's how that do him right now you can actually do those if you just go there and you go on their a la carte menus like give me six fucking patties I've done it. I do it at in and out all the time in San Antonio. It's awesome. Six patties, you know, 100% grass-fed beef. Beautiful. Really? But it's 100% beef. I believe it's grass-fed before I get quoted on that, but it's delicious. They have some of the best quality control of any of the fast food places in and out. Yeah. Really high standard. No oil on the, no oil on the burners or on the grill laptop either. It's just beef cooked on its own oil and its own juice. But yeah, man. Um, so like right now for me, I'm eating a lot of fruit because it's all fresh and seasonal down here, which is great. And then getting my own ground beef with organs made by the butchers here or local guys that are that are local farmers. Um, literally like telling them exactly how much heart and how much liver and kidneys and testicles and thymus to put into each one of these things. Fucking badass. Not everybody doesn't have that. But again, I'd say that it's a lot easier to make excuses than to find the solution. It's just the fact that we don't want to, we don't want the solutions because they don't fit our narrative. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you actually, you have to do a little bit more work, which in the long run, it's going to pay off anyway. I mean, I'll, I'll do that on my travels too. It's like, if I go somewhere, I, I do want to go for the better quality shit, but I know that's not always going to happen. So I'll, I'll bite the bullet when I have to, but ideally if I can, and even on the road, man, I, I honestly preferred just to cook my own damn food. It, it seems so much better. And I know what went into it. I know what type of energy that I'm putting into it. It's love. I don't know what the chef behind this restaurant, what type of mood he's in, if this girl just broke up with him or something like that. So right, right, right. that play a role too. But um, I like that. I, and I believe that when we vote with our dollar and we stop purchasing all this crap, maybe the price point of those higher quality meats will eventually come down. So if, if people, if people could, like you said, vote with their dollar, if people could vote, believe, adhere to their feelings rather than their emotions, the world would be a much different place as far as I want to consume. But because my religion says this, because my egoic emotional conviction 
says this, it doesn't matter what my feelings are telling me. Because my neighborhood was is this way, because I was raised this way, emotional, 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 emotional. As opposed to, man, when I eat these foods, I feel really fucking good. I don't want to tell anybody. Why? Why? You know, that's how strong, like, you know, Yankees and Red Sox, bitter rivals, but man, friends can get along. But God forbid you be a vegan and a carnivore. You're crazy. Yeah, man. Whatever. I'm, I'm fucking happy crazy, you know? Yeah. More for us. I've, Jake, Jake, you've lost your mind. I fucking hope so. Yeah. You're, you're sane and insane world, so you're going to look like a maniac. I really appreciate your time, Jake. You're a ball of energy. And I look forward to actually having you back on in the future. I love your 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 mindset, your discipline. And I love what you have to offer, brother. So where could uh, people actually find you if they wanted to work with you? Thanks, man. Uh, lifelikejake.com. Uh, this is the URL and then on IG, YouTube, TikTok, everywhere else. Life like Jake. That's me. I'd say my Instagram is one of the most personal and funny, friendly, and, and, and intimate. So give it a drop there and then that's where I'll be.